Hey there, it's the Jew from the Chew on This Podcast, letting you know you can leave comments, questions, and suggestions a number of ways. Reviews and comments are appreciated on iTunes and YouTube, and you can check out our daily postings on Facebook. Our Twitter feed and Instagram is at Chew on This Pod, and of course, as always, you can email us directly at chewonthispodcast at gmail.com. So there you have it, folks. Short of a bat signal or an Avengers card, there's all the ways you can let us know how big of a nerd you truly are. Enjoy and chew on this podcast. To episode number forty of Chew on This and Nerd United podcast, I'm BJ. Beck. Uh, before we get started with our review of Harry Potter, um, I just want to give a shout out to Larry Spikes for um, being our one hundredth like on Facebook. Awesome! Uh, thank you, Larry. Yeah, big deal. Thank for you. Us. Yeah, thank you, Larry, very much. Um, yeah, so number forty, dude. That's pretty awesome. Uh, we're we're getting up there. Um, yeah, it's kind of amazing that. We've gotten, what is this, eight months now we've started this? We've been doing this? Yeah. Um, okay, so it, it took us 40 episodes, but this is our this is our first book review, which is kind of weird, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's actually not even really a book. It's a play. So this is our review of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, and it's actually uh, a play and major spoilers. So go read it yes. if you haven't done so already. Yeah, I imagine we're going to spoil this uh I mean, we have to spoil this, right? I mean, it's there's so much going on in it. I think just giving a really basic review would be kind of boring. Um, and it's Harry Potter too, so yeah, Harry Potter, you know, was a pretty big deal for me. Like, I don't think I actually started reading the books until um, the fourth one it had come out. I might have mentioned that before, but a friend of mine tried to get me to read him and I was just refusing. I was kind of like one of those people that was like going against the grain. Like anytime something popular would come up and people would just be talking it up. I'd, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. Same thing with like iPods. I was like, I'm not doing this just because everyone else did. And then I eventually bought one and I was like, okay, this is cool. But Harry Potter. I I saw the, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm not, I don't think I thought it was like stupid probably because like, you know, there's that like South Park episode where they make fun of people who play Harry Potter while they're playing Lord of the Rings. I, I, I figured it was like that. So I, like, yeah. I saw I saw the movies first, the first two movies, and then before the third or fourth movie came out, that's when I started reading them heavily. Um, so it was it was it was one of the very few things that I or few books I should say that I got into quickly and I couldn't stop reading them once I started. Yeah, that was the same with me. I remember um 
I went to my 10 year high school reunion and one of my friends had that book on him, the first book. And he's like, you got to no, he had the fourth book on him. And he's like, you need to, have you read these? And I was like, no, I don't really care for that. And he's like, no, you don't understand. Like these are, these are really well written. Like, yeah, they're children's books, but they're really well written. And I think the more you read them, the more, or the more the books, the, every time a book comes out, it gets more and more adultish, you know? And so I was like, whatever. And then I had a trip to Alaska come up and, I needed something to read, so I was in the bookstore and I saw them, and I'm like, "All right." So I bought the first book. I read it on the pl- I read the whole book on the plane. Like I finished it on the flight from San Francisco to Alaska. I finished it. So when we landed in Alaska, um, we landed. It was a red eye flight, so we got there in the morning. I was like, um, "Where's your nearest Barnes and Noble?" So I bought I bought two through four, and then I read two and three really quickly, and then the fourth one I just kind of took my time and. Then I had to wait like everyone else for the next book. So, I mean, that's the that's the great thing about Harry Potter, right? Is is if you were a child reading Harry Potter, you grew up with Harry Potter, which makes sense. And what I loved about the books around that time frame when Harry Potter was pretty popular, that Dan Brown book came out with uh, what was it? The first, the the major one, uh, the Da Vinci Code. Da Vinci Code, yeah. And I remember reading the Harry Potter books and then going to read Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code. And I could not believe how much more sophisticated the writing was for a quote-unquote children's book compared (laughs) to Dan Brown. Like, Dan Brown, like, there's nothing sophisticated about his writing or anything difficult about his writing. Or I don't want to use the word eloquent, but that's not – I mean, but – there's there's a style that J.K. Rowling has, and it's it's really great and very descriptive and very beautiful, especially the dialogue and, the, and her thoughts. But when I'm reading, when I, and then I switched to Dan Brown, I couldn't believe that if you if you gave me like a paragraph that didn't describe what either book was from either author, I would have thought that uh, J.K. Rowling was Dan Brown writing <laughs> the Da Vinci Code. and like reverse the role because that's how much easier of a read Dan Brown was. Yeah. But anyway. I, I, I read up on her and she just, she has a really fascinating story. I don't need to go into it because all the Potter people know her story, but she really, um, unlike, you know, George Lucas, she doesn't have a lot of plot holes in her stories. Like she had that sucker no. mapped out, you know? Yeah. It's from crazy. Beginning to end. I mean, yeah. I mean the, the equivalent of like the, that I think of when I think of Harry, uh, JK Rowling is, um, is the the writers for, um, the breaking bad. Oh yeah. Like, like, and for a TV show, that's really unheard of. But yeah. I don't want to get too much into the weeds about, you know, all that stuff. We, I want to move on to this because I've been, I, I powered through this in like two nights. So, yeah, me too. Um, I, was, I was excited for a Harry Potter book slash play. So, initial thoughts right now because I, I was really curious to hear your thoughts first because I, I had an inkling that you didn't like it. Um, I, I'll say this when I first started reading it, I didn't like it. I was like, I, I didn't like where the characters ended up. I didn't. Um, I had a real problem with Ron. <laughs> um, okay. I, yeah, that was my initial reaction. But as soon as like I kind of got into it a little bit, I, I started to enjoy it. I don't think this is Shakespeare. I was actually um, not happy. I knew going into it what it was. It was a play. A lot of people online were upset. Because they're like, I didn't know it was a play. Like, this is stupid. And I was like, wow. So knowing what it was, it allowed me to kind of like shut that part of my brain off and go, it's not a normal book. 
Um, it wasn't written by J.K. Rowling, by the way. It was written by some other person. I forgot his name. Um, so I think she had some input in it. Um, but I think overall, I thought it was okay. I thought it was... I thought it was decent. I thought it would be a lot worse than I than originally thought because I read a lot of the reviews. I didn't know what the plot was. I just read a lot of views how so many people were disappointed in it. But the more of those reviews I read, the more I realized like they're they're bashing it for the wrong reasons. You know, it's like I know it's a play. I know it's written by someone else. Okay, fine. And I went into it knowing that and then actually, you know, someone enjoyed it. And it was a really quick read. It's not like, you know, it took me two months to read like the other books and um, I, I read to it really fast and thought, okay, yeah, it's not bad. Also, okay, I'll just say one last thing then you can um, say your initial reaction. When I was done with the book, I was like, this was like Harry Potter meets Back to the Future 2. That's what it kind of <laughs> felt like to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, you kind of nailed it right there. Um with that, I was thinking Back to the Future as well, but like if the beginning part of Back to the Future 2 um, kept playing over and over again with different versions of what was happening to the future. Yes. Like each time something happens, there's a new movie in Back to the Future, basically. But in this one, <clears throat> you know, every time they, you know, flip the time turn or something, it, the the immediate impact is rippled through time and, with the you know, when they get back. A little bit of butterfly effect, too. Like a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So my initial reaction was um, when when it got really down and, and dirty into the story and, and the main plot, when especially the part where Severus shows up, I I I was really emotional reading that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I really. I'm not even joking. I, I'll. Call me whatever you want to call me. <laughs> but <laughs> I got emotional when Severus showed up, and I couldn't believe while I was reading it that it wasn't J.K. Rowling that didn't write this part. I'd be surprised if she didn't write this part, actually, because it felt like Severus. Yeah. The whole scene about... Um, so basically, in, in this... So, all right, you know what? Let's let's go back to the plot a, a little bit and just okay. give an overview. Um, basically, what happens is... It's how many years? Like twenty years later. So it, like I think it. I think it begins where the Deathly Hallows ends, and then it's a matter of like four years go by in the story, like pretty quickly, like four years go by, and then the story. Then you kind of like you're at present time when all the time turner stuff starts happening, but the, there's yeah, like there's four years go by. Of, yeah, there's a lot of like the other thing I was reading the other, the other initial reaction when I was reading this was that. It's, you know what? I never actually gave my initial reaction. Um, <laughs> I, I liked it. I liked it. Okay. it. I had a hard time getting into it in the beginning. Yeah. Um, I, I did not like it in the beginning, but the things that I loved about it, um, I, I think it was like when I really started to love it was when they started messing with time really badly. And the peak for me again was when Severus showed up. Mm. That was my, by far, by far my favorite my, when when it was the darkest in the entire uh play that was my favorite part i think when, so too i think that was yeah. mine, mine too um, um it was it was unexpected and it was yeah. really well done and yeah we could, we'll kind of we'll go into that when we go into all the characters and stuff we'll get to that um what happens yeah. there but yeah um so your initial reaction is you liked it. it it was a little slow going in the beginning and then you ended up liking it 
Yeah, when they so. when they started doing when they, like I love things when I love things that mess with time or go back in time or go in the future, all that stuff. Anytime it's done really well, like that's why I loved uh, a lot of the Flash these past couple of seasons because yeah. messing with time. Um, I love Back to the Future, of course. Um, I love Days of Futures Past, one of my favorite comic mm-hmm. books, let alone one of the better comic book movies ever made. What about Time um, Cop? What about Time Cop with Van Damme? I actually did like that movie. It's probably <laughs> I my it it's too. probably my favorite it's probably my favorite Van Damme movie. Um and it's really underrated as a as a as a uh as a time sci-fi movie. Yeah. I thought it was really cool. I really There's enjoyed another one I enjoyed Lo- I really liked Looper. Uh yeah, that Looper's good too. Um what are the really good time movies are there? Uh, I don't know, probably, but yeah, those are the uh, yeah. Ones. We're probably forgetting. Yeah, those those are some. So I I loved it when it was the darkest. I don't know why, but or well, the darkness had nothing to do with it. It had everything to do with Severus and Hermione and Ron. Yeah, you realize though that you know they did the time thing before, which I think is still their strongest Potter movie. Is the uh, the third one, the Prisoner of Azkaban, um, was I feel still like their their Wrath of Khan, their Empire Strikes Back, if you will. I, I really I went back and watched all eight movies again recently before I started reading the book, and visually, I'd like the first two are pretty basic. I mean, they follow the books perfectly and, and anybody could have went in and directed that. I mean, it was pretty standard, but when the third guy came in, he did stick to the book, but he changed the aesthetic. He changed the aesthetics of it. He made it look more modern. Look, he changed the look of things. And also well, that's when Christopher Columbus was no longer directing. Right. Um, the books. He only I mean, did the, the first, place, he only did the first the two. Yeah. But that third guy came in and he kind of changed the aesthetics of it. Everything looked different. Everything was and and the and that was my favorite. I think Harry Potter movie out of the out of the eight. And so it's Alf- that was Alfonso. I can't say his name. Cur- Alfonso Curran. Cur- yeah, he did Gravity. That movie Gravity. That was pretty damn right. good. Um, he has he has. If you look at his other books, oh, I'm sorry, not his other books. Jesus, I keep saying that. His other movies. He's he's got he's got like a very uh, darkish type of. Um, to his movies like he did you know after that movie he did uh children of men as well oh that's um, right he has yeah. really good like i don't know his visually i i just like his i like his style but um that was so, when, yeah it, it was noticeable like as you could tell that the it was starting to i mean that book alone not not chamber of secrets it was prisoner of azkaban when that book came out and you read that book you saw a shift in the book Yes, that it was starting to get darker. Things were about like just about to start tipping over, and the kids were growing up who were reading the books. And again, I can't stress it enough that if you grew up reading the Harry Potter books, it didn't matter that it got darker. It didn't matter that people died because you were you were getting older yourself, right? But like, so kind of envy those kids, darn it. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I mean, that's I mean, Harry Potter. It's it, it. no matter who wants to say whatever, it's a children's book. It's it's a damn good series. Yeah, it is pretty damn good. Um, so let's uh, before we really dive into the plot, I just wanted to go over quickly over some of the characters that are featured in it, and I'm sure I'm missing some. There was a lot of like secondary and third rate characters, but you know we have um, you know Harry Potter, of course, which we find out. I don't think he's an Auror, right? He's he just works for the Ministry of Magic. Like, does he does he go after evil wizards or? Um, I don't remember. Uh, I forget his they, title. Yeah, I don't he think runs. He runs. Order, I think he. 
No, I think he runs that department, like the law enforcement department or something like that. I can't remember okay. his exact title. But okay, so the second one is Ron. I was really disappointed in his story, although it kind of makes sense. I mean, he always seemed like he was a lazy bum to me, anyway. But like, <laughs> he ends up running the joke shop, right? Does he inherit it from his brothers or something, or he, he's running it well, by brother. himself? Well, brother, because the other one died. Oh, that's right. So there's only one twin left, older twin. Yeah, yeah. But it, it just seemed like a waste to me. I'm like, really? Like you went through all that shit, now you're running a joke shop? Like, all right. Um, well, I mean, that was something he always wanted too. Like he was always jealous that his brothers got to, got their own business and stuff like that. So I figured by now, though, after too. like twenty years of marriage, I figured Hermione would have been like later loser because like she ends up being the freaking minister of magic, which actually makes, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Ginny <laughs> um, um, is a Ginny is an aura, right? Or I th- is she? I don't remember. She's not a housewife. I don't remember no. what she does either. Um, gosh, I just read well, this thing. I judging ago, by I judging by judging by our descriptions of the characters, it sounds like we didn't read the play at all. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I don't even remember what I don't even remember what Draco does either. But but his um, his son is featured in it prominently as Scorpius, who actually ends up being Harry Potter's um, oldest son's friend, and his oldest son is named after the two wizards that he you know admired, um, Albus Severus Potter. Uh, which ends up being, I think he, if I were guessing right, he would be the protagonist of the story, correct? Or at least the closest thing to it. Yeah, it almost feels like there's two stories, or there's two protagonists in the in the story, which, um, which is a little weird because you really don't know who the cursed child. Like they say it, but it's. I think they say the cursed child is Scorpius, but it's really not. It feels like all three. It's actually, I think. It could be it, it's like either Harry Potter, Albus, or Scorpius, or or um, Delphi Diggory, who ends up being somebody else at the end of the book. Um, right. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So then you have you know Rose is uh, the Weasley's daughter, and she's like was like friends with Albus. Um, Albus seems to me like she's like she's like what would happen if Hermione never got made fun of in the first Harry Potter. Right. Like if nobody, if, if she didn't get made fun of by Ron or whatever and started crying and Ron and Harry didn't go save her or whatever, it seems like that's what Rose would have, uh, that's what Hermione would have turned out to be. Cause Rose is kind of a bitch. She is. She's just like the popular chick or something like that. She doesn't give a shit. She's just, she's like got, got like thing. all of, she's got all of like Hermione's stuck upness, but times 10. <laughs> totally. Um, we learn of someone named Craig. He kind of features a little bit prominently, but then he's he's murdered by somebody. Uh, Moaning Myrtle actually makes a um, a cameo, which I thought was kind of cool. And I think one of the ghosts, I think Peeves, makes a cameo. Um, Severus Snape, man, uh, definitely my favorite part of the book because it just kind of not like it came out of nowhere, but I wasn't for whatever reason like expecting that. And then when the scene come up with him, I was like, oh, my, this is genius. This is so And they cool. got better. They got better afterwards. Yes. Um, them Voldemort having... doesn't really make much of a cameo in it. He just is a sound. He's just a, like an audio clip. Um, he makes the, uh, the, Harry's scar, scar hurt yeah, and stuff like that. Right. Um, I mean, uh, McGonagall makes t- somewhat of a, you know, she makes a good uh She's a good sub character in there. Yes, Dumbledore shows up a little bit um, from the from painting like key part. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but the the thing that sets off everything is, is Amos Diggory, and that's Cedric's father. Um, sets off everything for it. Yes, so and, whole story. and and what it is is that the Time Turners have all been destroyed, and the, but there's like one left, and I think Hermione, instead of destroying it, she hides it magically in a book, like she has like um, a spell or something on it to keep it safe in there or whatever. Um, and I think the kids over here. Cedric Diggory begging, not Cedric, sorry, Amos begging to borrow that time turner so he can go back in time and save Cedric, but she won't have it. She's like, no, you could ruin everything. And the kids over here, that's actually, it's actually, it's no, it's, it's Amos that goes to Harry's house, I believe, or something. Harry, that's, that's right. That's right. And it's, it's, um, it's Albus, uh, his son, Harry's son, who overhears this. Um, that he has a time turner that so basically what ends basically Harry and Albus have like this like broken relationship as father and son um, because his dad is Harry Potter. He just feels like he's not good enough and he can't stay. He feels like he's just given like he can't live up to his dad's name. Like he's living in no a shadow basically. Right. Exactly. And he doesn't get out of it. The other two kids don't care uh, or deal with it a lot better. And it's just it it's because Albus is the first born not to mention that he's named after Dumbledore and Severus. It's a lot of pressure on him to live up to all three of those names. Right. Uh, being a potter named after Albus and, and Dumbledore and named after Severus. So it's a lot of pressure on him. Him and Harry have a really broken relationship. And from that broken relationship, he thinks that he can save Cedric by using the time turner to uh, fix one of his dad's wrongs. Um, and that's where the story takes off from there. He thinks it's a good idea to go back in time to mess with time. And every time he tries to do something, he fucks something up. Which is funny because when I started reading that, I was like, oh, man, that's that's kind of a cool plot device there. So, like, they they actually – and they said, like, oh, we need to go back to um, the Goblet of Fire, the tournament, the Triwizard Tournament, and try to, like, stop him from winning to getting to the end, essentially. Right. Um and so the first thing they do is they try to mess him up in the in the dragon thing, but he ends up uh, he ends up passing that still somehow. I don't remember. And then like this, then they go back again to stop him in the water challenge. And that time they stop him, and and he ends up like Cedric ends up turning into uh, because he lost the tournament. Yeah, because he lost the tournament, and he was so like. People probably made fun of him. Like he, it kind of changed him, and he like became a Death Eater. And then um, he can, uh, he ends up killing uh, Neville Longbottom. He ends up killing Neville, Neville, which Neville was essential in the Deathly Hollows book because he kills Nagini, the last Horcrux before Harry kills Voldemort. So by right. not killing Nagini, Voldemort stays alive, kills Harry Potter. So now there's no Harry Potter. There's no um, Albus. Uh, Ron and Hermione aren't married. In fact, Ron's married to Padma Patel or something like that, and Hermione's with somebody else. Yeah, basically, basically that's the Back to the Future where Biff becomes Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and Voldemort's running around, and yeah, right. Voldemort's running around, and and Snape is still alive, and um, uh, what's her face, uh, Professor Umbridge or Headmaster Umbridge is now running Hogwarts. Yes, so which I can't stand I that lady. I can't I know either. She doesn't exist. I know she doesn't exist, but I fucking hate her so much. 
she did her job well. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I I hate that character so much. Yeah. And whoever I can't remember the name of the actress who played her right now, but she did such a good job because I fucking hate her too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember her in the book going, "Oh, I hate this person." But then when she, when that person came alive, you know, on the screen, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like you captured that character so well that I hate you. <laughs> Basically, that's that's our favorite part, I guess. Uh, it was mine, and and I just found out that it's yours. That that when so basically it's it's scorpius who is alive at this point albus doesn't even exist because harry potter dies right so um he goes to talk to severus who's still alive and you think severus now is you know well you know all this shit happened dumbledore we lost so now i'm full-fledged death eater well no his love of harry of lily is so much that he still is trying to fight the good fight for Lily. Yes. And that part just got to me so bad that it made Severus so much more than I could possibly think of a character. Because yeah, because even because after once, Harry's dead. Right. And when Scorpius explains everything to him, he kind of takes it pretty well. And he's just like, well, then we got to do this. We need to fix the timeline. Like, I, I'll sacrifice. It's worth the sacrifice of my life than having Voldemort run around. And that right. just, I was like, oh my God, like you're a hero, dude. Like, yeah, and then when, and then when like Harry, uh, Hermione and Ron sacrifice themselves and they finally tell each other that they love each other, that part was awesome. Yes. Um, and then when Severus finally sacrificed himself, he uses the Patronus on the, um, fuck, what's the name of those things? The, the, the mentors. mentors. Oh, and it's the and dough. It, it's Lily's dough. Yeah, oh my God. Ah, that's so good. That's so fucking oh, good, man. Fucking, fucking feels right there when I was reading that part. Yes. I can't, I, I, I can't believe, I, I, I would love to know if J.K. Rowling had any input on that scene. Or, or, any of, or any of Snape's dialogue. It would make me happy if I knew that. I kind of, I was kind of bummed that she didn't write this thing, but you know, you could kind of see your input in there somewhere. Um, I think it was probably the guy's idea to go back to the tournament and do all that shit. But then, you know, it it really messed up the timeline. And it wasn't like when it messed up the timeline, it wasn't like really like over the top weird the shit that was happening. You know, it was it was kind of it was it was reasonable. I was like, okay, it wasn't like somebody just went way off the deep end or did something weird. It like really had an effect, and there was major major consequences. I loved how they explained what actually happened each time. Like it was really intricate, and like I'm wondering, like that that's another part where Rowling had an input because because everything made sense of why they like every time they went back and screwed something up they had to explain what had actually happened and i loved that part too because you had to know harry potter's lore and canon to understand if okay so if i did this in the in, in the past this is what would happen you know or if i if i did like i loved that part like that's why i love like time traveling movies or if they get it right that's why i love that type of thing and it, it felt like it felt like Rowling had input on that too, because if you didn't know the books really well, none of that would have made sense. So the other character, I mean, it's a very minor thing, but like, so when the the boys were trying to escape the the Hogwarts train, remember that scene? And like, you come to find out that nobody's ever in the history of that train 
you know, 200 years or whatever that train's been running. No one's ever escaped the train. And like the, the lady, the lady, the trolley witch, the chick that kind of comes around and gives everyone chocolate frogs and shit. You come to find out that she's like, she's a guardian of that train. She doesn't let anyone like any kid leave. Yeah, um, she got, it was pretty f- scary and freaky. Cause I, re- I picture that lady in my head from the movie. And, yes. Uh, and she I had like claws. Kind of cool. She had claws yeah. and shit, and and she had yeah. like, and she can turn the the candy that she had like into bombs or into like weapons and shit. I was like, yeah. what? I'm like, where is this coming from? This is bizarre. But they end up actually escaping. They actually end up getting out of the train and escaping, and and that's when they, um, that's when they went back in time the second time, right? And and really jack things up to the point where I think they got stuck back in time at one point. Like they were literally stuck um, because they they eventually find out that this it was this was girl Delphi Delphi Digger no 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 no. no that happened later they got stuck no, it was Scorpius who got stuck because because Albus was written out of it written out of existence right 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 there's that time yes there is that time where he he got stuck but he made it he I think he fixed. Didn't he fix something and then he was able to Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they fixed the timeline. But right, then right, right. but then but and then they end up trashing that time turner, but somebody else had an had another time turner that they had constructed. And and so Delphi, who is uh Amos Diggory's uh niece, supposedly, like she said, I'm I'm the niece, I I need you know, we need to help Cedric and all that bullshit. But you come to find out that she was the daughter of uh, of a union between Voldemort and Bellatrix Lestrange. And so she decides to go back uh, even further and go back to the night that Lily and James were murdered by Voldemort, right? And she was going to go and stop Voldemort from from making that mistake because – he shoots it at Harry and it bounces back and kills him. So she tries to go there to stop him and have a different plan. And that was pretty emotional too, because Harry and Ron and you know those people they they got the other time turn or whatever, and they went back and they had weren't they like basically uh, Harry had to watch his parents die or like see it from afar or whatever, like see right. the yeah see the the yelling and the screaming and see the green light from the Vada Kedavra curse and all that shit. And so like that's kind of, that reminded me of the flash big time. I was like, Oh my God. Like, you know, when the flash had, he had a chance to save his mom, then he doesn't, you know, he tells I'm on that whole time conundrum doesn't do it. And then like, you know, now he actually saves his mom and there's going to be flashpoint. That's crazy. But Harry has this opportunity to go save his parents and he doesn't, he doesn't do it. He's like, no, it has to be this way. Everything has to like go, the way it's supposed to go. Otherwise it'll be jacked up even worse. Um, right. So I like that scene too. I like Severus scene and I like that scene. Um, so yeah, there was like kind of a weird device where there were a couple plot, you know, a couple of Turner time turners, like one, I think, you know, Amos had, and then another one, somebody else had, but the one that when the kids went back with Delphi in the past, it got broken or something like that. So the kids were stuck there. And they had to construct a note or they did something. They wrote something on the blanket, right? And then Harry right. Harry had the blanket in the future and he actually happened to look at it 
and that told them where they were, like at one point they were, and they were able to go back and save them. So that was pretty cool. I mean, that reminded me of some other movies that were – oh, there was a time travel movie called Frequency. You remember that? That movie? Yeah. You know the whole writing thing? It it reminds me of that episode on the writing on the quilt or whatever or the blanket. It reminds me of uh, the, the there was one episode in Legends of Tomorrow where there was Oh, yeah. That's right. I forgot and about wrote, that too. She wrote it on a helmet or something like that. Yeah. And they, of course, you're banking on the on the you know on well, luck. And that in that, sh- that show, she had I can't, I can't remember who actually wrote it on the helmet, but they had seen that helmet before in what's his face's office and on the ship. Yeah. So that's that's why he she wrote it on there so to know where they were. So gotcha. But which that's Back to the Future three. <laughs> he gets the <laughs> note from Doc. Tell them where the time trap, where the machine is. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah, create. I mean, I, we're not doing this uh, this story justice. You, I mean, if you obviously if you've read it and you're listening to the podcast, you know what we're talking about. But if you're like lost, go read it. You know, it, it, it is a good read, and, and the time-traveling aspect of it is really fun, and it allows them to go back and visit characters that you wondered about or haven't seen in a while, or, you know, like Severus, you know, you're sad that he's dead, but you get to go back and spend a little more time with them, and Albus, and um, you, you get to spend time with other characters you really liked. Um, so I liked, I really liked that aspect of it. Um, what didn't What didn't you like? Well, I didn't like how some of the characters ended up. I didn't like how Ron ended up being a, you know, whatever, running a joke shop. I just thought that was hokey. Um, trying to think of what else. I would have expected to, like, visit Neville or visit some of the other uh, Order of the Phoenix characters. Would have been pretty cool. But Neville is only mentioned in passing. Right. Um, but, like, you know, you don't hear about Mad-Eye Moody or any of the other characters, Severus, uh, what's his name, Sirius Black. That would have been emotional, too, if he went back and was able to talk to him. And um, But those are just nitpicky. I mean, I thought it was a little slow going in the beginning. I thought they really jammed it down your throat that Albus and Scorpius were best friends. I mean, every fucking second they're talking about it and hugging and, you know. I thought at one point in time they were going to be, like, boyfriend boyfriends i kind of kind of thought that because i don't remember harry and ron hugging all the time i was like this is kind of weird but i was i would i would have been all right with that i just just thought it was weird that they had to mention to you fifty thousand times that they're best friends and i'm like okay i get it you know so the thing the things i liked the most about were getting to obviously my favorite part was the the severus uh, crap timeline um the really back to the future two timeline um, I liked, uh, that scene at the, the, the death scene of the, the Potters that you mentioned, mm-hmm. but what I, but I, what I really had a problem with, and it was the same, it, it was the same as you, where you had a hard time getting, uh, into it in the beginning. It's because like, I didn't, in, in JK Rowling's novels, you get descriptions, you get, you get when you get a new character, she describes that person to you, and you get a real feel for the characters. Mm-hmm. Un- unfortunately, because it's a play, I didn't really like either Albus or Scorpius until like two thirds into the play, and I didn't understand. I didn't understand their character or where they were coming from or their history. And I understand that in a play, you kind of just it, it's all visual and stuff like that. But 
I think that was the thing I didn't like the uh, that I did that I did not like the most that it wasn't a novel because I couldn't read into like who these new characters were, right? Because yeah. like you see you see Albus for like five minutes in the movie, you read about him for like two like ten pages in in Deathly Hollows, and then he's gone, and then now all of a sudden you see him in this play, and the, and then Scorpius is just new for this play, right? So, um. He could not be further from like Voldemort's son in this in this play because that was the rumor about him in the play. But but again, I wish I I wish it was a novel so I could have uh, grown with this character the same that I grew with Ron and Hermione and and, and Harry. That was that was the thing I didn't like the most. I have to totally agree with you because I thought he was just a little asshole. I just I didn't like his character until way way later in the play as well. And the one thing that the guy did do pretty well was. You already knew who Draco was. You already know who Harry was. And they have a story arc together. I mean, there's a lot of, yeah. you know, problems in their past. and But but they resolve them by the end of the play. They're, they kind of navigate through this shit. And then you eventually find out that Draco has always been jealous of Harry's friendships. Because he didn't have oh, close yeah. friends like that. I love you know, that part too. It I was really, really that, that was too. so. You're right. I mean, character development because we know this character so well that when that happened, you were like, "Oh, that's a great ending to that issue that's been going on for so long." That was a great, you know, story arc for them, and they resolved it. But for the kids, you don't really know them all that well. I thought that was really good too in the in the uh, in the crap in the Back to the Future Two timeline. I don't know why I keep doing that, because but... <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it, where where he goes to Drake, he goes to his father Draco. Scorpius does, and he tries to tell him that he's not from this time, and that you know he tries to tell him all this stuff, and even uses his mother to try to talk to it. And you see oh. this like, and you see, and you go from like Draco, who is trying like, not trying, but he basically turns into his father, right, a complete dick. Yes, like in this timeline. But then he talks about the mother, and he realizes. And he talks about things that, you know, Draco never told anybody and that only his wife would know about it. And his son now is telling him this. And he says something, and I'm paraphrasing it. He said, Draco says to Scorpius, like, just don't let anybody else know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, right. yeah, you're right. I'm not a fraud, but, like, I'm not as hardcore as you think. But just don't let anybody else know. Like, keep it between... And I'm not doing it justice, but it's a beautiful scene because you see that Draco always has this like light inside of him, and he uses that too. He says, "Your your mother always brought the light in my darkness," and you and you always had a clue in, in the books that something was off, especially when he's especially when Voldemort tells him to do the shit that he has to do in um, Half Blood Prince. In the Half Blood Prince, you know that he doesn't. He's not like that. That he's just all fucking talk because he's a Malfoy and he doesn't want to be that. And th- this play explores that a little bit more, and it's it's really great. Yeah, they do a really really good job of it, and it, and it does have a resolution by the end. They end up actually burying the hatchet and and moving on, and uh, and it's great. So it is like it, it. The play does a lot of things. I mean, it's about fathers and sons. It's about friendship. Um, it's about. Uh, parenting. I mean, there's, there's a number of things, um, that are going on, but it's this really cool time traveling, you know, uh, story in, you know, that's kind of fueling the whole thing. So it's, it's really cool, 
you know, they really took their time and did some intricate things, you know, with it, weaving in and out. And I, I mean, yeah, I mean, there might be some plot holes or whatever nitpicking, but I thought overall, I thought it was a pretty decent um, story. Um, the other thing that, that bummed me out, I'm kind of moving ahead a little bit, but J.K. Rowling, of course, said that there's not going to be any, like, this is the last story you'll ever see Harry Potter in, which, I don't know, she said that before, right? Like, when the last book came out, she was like, yeah, she Harry Potter's did. done. Technically, she didn't, she she kind of stuck to her word, because she didn't write this. <laughs> so <laughs> That's true. Oh, you little minx. Yeah, technically, she's right. Um <laughs> But but when I was reading this and I knew I knew that she said that there's going to be no more Harry Potter stories, I was kind of like, there's something here that you could expand on if you wanted. To, if she wanted to explore these characters, she could do it. She yeah, really she could. could. She could. Um, she's busy doing the Fantastic Beats and where to find them. But I heard that she actually's writing those. Um, yeah. And actually writing the second one right now that I guess everybody at Warner Brothers is just over the moon over the, the first movie. So, of course, I think they always say that. But So let's get the boring stuff out of the way now that we put it at the end anyway. So it sold 2 million copies in one day because it's Harry Potter. Um, and it sold out all the way. The play itself sold out all the way to 2017. Yeah, I just read, um, I think, two days ago or a few days ago, they put on – sale another 250,000 tickets, which would go all the way to the end of 2017. And they sold out very quickly and they're going on eBay for exorbitant amount of money. Um, so we can't, we can't do, we can't do a, um, a diversity rating to this. Um, but we can do a well, regular ba- rating based. Yeah. It'd be really difficult, but based on the casting, like if you go, I think you can go online and see the actual pictures of all the people the one thing that I, I do have to say, and I know this was a controversy in the beginning when they were casting, but when they made Hermione African American, people went in a fucking uproar, and I was like, "Well, she's not African American; she's well, British, so she's black." Right? I was. I, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> British African, yeah, African British. Uh, but I was, I was like, "Why are you getting so upset about that?" She never like. I've even like gone back and read these books. I'm like, there's not one description of her that says that she's has to be white. There's none. Like they give yeah. a description of Harry. They give a description of Ron very well. Right. Like when, like when you watch the movie, you're like, that's fucking Harry and Ron, but they never really gave a description of Hermione. Um, you know, like a, like a, like she's white and you know, curly hair or this or that black hair, whatever they didn't. So like when that, I was like, so fucking what? That's awesome. You know? Um, I'd want more diversity. There was a lot of diversity in those movies, I thought. Um, but uh, so I don't know if I had to guess, I'd say Jan Brady did plethora, but I don't know. I'd have to see it. Um, but but as far as like lightsabers, I I think I'd give it four. I think oh, for me, chainsaw. I'd, chainsaws, chainsaws, shit. <laughs> Edit that out. I would have to give it um, four chainsaws. I think I, I really did enjoy the book uh, or the the play. Sorry, I shouldn't call it a book. Everyone that pisses people off. Um, four chainsaws for me. What about you? Um, I, I'd probably, as a play, I'd have to give it four lightsabers. But reading it as a book, because that's how I read it, um, it'd probably be three and a half. Because you have to remember 
it was sometimes it was a little difficult to follow because it was you know it was written as a play so there's scenes that you have to read like there's descriptions of scenes but it's not a description like you would expect jk rowling to do because it's a play right so as as a as a book it's for me three and a half as a as a play i'd probably give it four if i was visually looking at it the other thing i wanted to mention that i forgot is that while i was reading this they were using like these special effects that were or not special effects but they were using these like things that were in the movie and were special effects. And I was like, how the hell are you going to pull that off in a play? So I, I would, I would love to see the play to see how they would pull off these scene changes because there's a few scenes that come really quick and are over very fast that are done through special effects. So I'd be interested to see how they would do that live. Well, I mean, I don't know if we'll ever get to see it unless they, they travel around. Yeah. But, but this play is like unprecedented. It is, it's selling, tickets so quickly that it's very difficult to get a hold of them. Um, yeah. It's not like the Spider-Man play. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh gosh. Nobody's, what got, it, nobody's gotten hurt. Yeah. Nobody died in Harry Potter. Nobody got hurt, got maimed. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's harder than getting tickets for the Super Bowl right now. It's just, it's difficult, but yeah, I mean, I'm hoping if they ever travel over here. I mean, there was like a traveling Batman show that I caught one time, and there was some other stuff I think I saw that were not, you know, normally American. They were overseas, but they traveled, and I was able to get tickets for it. So, you know, who knows? But those, of course, I don't think they were the first-rate actors for those either. I think they were just like a traveling show or whatever. But um I don't know. I'd be very interested to see that too. I'm sure it's a very expensive production. Um, I'm sure they don't do a lot of showings, you know, because it'd be quite a bit of effects they got to do over and over and over again. So be really hard pressed to find out if we're ever going to get tickets to that thing. I don't think it's going to be like cats where it's going to go for 20 years, you know, it might yeah. go a couple of years and then, and then end. So hopefully this is, this is my hope. Okay. One of two things are going to happen for us. One we're going to be able to see it if they we either a fly to L- London or or it ends up on California at some point, or number two they film it like they do with the Cirque du Soleil shows. If like if you can't go to a Cirque du Soleil show, you could buy a DVD yeah. and you can watch it. And a lot of plays are like that too, and operas and things like that. So I'm hoping one of the two things happen, or they wait another ten years and they film it as a movie with the original cast. <laughs> yeah, which oh actually yeah. they can't fuck no. No, they wouldn't Severus, be able to. Severus isn't or Alan Rickman died. Yeah. That, I mean, all, all hopes of that would be, yeah, pretty dashed. That makes Did it, oh, fuck, you just made me, you made me even, you made me even more sad now, you bastard. No, um, pro- she, the actress is still alive. I think she's still doing okay, show, th- TV shows over, over overseas. Yeah. Um, yeah, Maggie right, Smith, well, that's she's our, a famous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's our first book review. Yeah, that was our first uh, book slash script review, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Um, Again, uh, if you hadn't read it and you're listening to all these spoilers, whatever, read it. It's a very quick read. I enjoyed it. Um, Those of you that did read it, uh, gosh, it's, I mean, it's up and down. It's like 50-50. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. But I think majority of people loved it. I think majority of the people that hated it didn't understand what it was supposed to be. So, but that's that's on you. <laughs> but uh, but I but I enjoyed it. 
Um, yeah, how can you be a Harry Potter fan and not know that it's, that she didn't write it first of all, and second of all, it's a play. They've only been talking about it for a year, so yeah, I don't yeah. know where you crawl out of that rock and you know whatever. But uh, yeah, that's our first book review. I do. I might have another book review coming soon that we might add to another podcast later on, but I'll mention that later. Um, we got a few things cooking and you know in the fire right now, but uh, but for now, that is episode. Number 40 of Chew on This and Nerds United Podcast. I'm BJ. Vic. Chew on that, folks. Till next time. Later. <laughs>